Hello, tribe. Welcome. I'm super excited to bring you another episode. If this is your first time checking out this podcast, thank you for being here. I'm very grateful for your presence. This conversation is with my friend Stephen Trueba, who is a musician and producer that goes by the name Alter. He is a multidimensional artist, a videographer, photographer, producer, writer, vocalist, plays instruments. He's a man of many talents. I was fortunate to work with him as an A&R on a few of his projects over the last few years. We first met when he was producing another artist project who goes by the name Teza Talks, who I'll actually have on a later episode. After working with Steven on the business side of things, I got to see his perspective around creativity, life, the world, and we eventually became friends, so we were able to have deeper conversations about everything. His music is a mix of genres. I'd label it indie or alternative electronic music with a dash of hip-hop influence. I personally love it. It gives me nostalgia and reminds me of the punk and alternative stuff I used to listen to in middle school and high school. If you're familiar with labels in the electronic scene, he's released with Trap Nation slash Lowly, Mr. Suicide Sheep, and of course, Artist Intelligence Agency, specifically Hegemon Select. Definitely check him out on Spotify or Apple Music, which I've linked to in the show description. Overall, I believe Steven's creating a sustainable and self-sufficient business model around his music and creativity, which I think a lot of other aspiring artists or creatives can kind of adopt as a blueprint. This conversation goes into depth around his story and what has come together to get him where he is today. He gives us insight into his creative process and personal habits outside of creativity It's definitely an inspiring discussion because I think it shows that if you have a dream and decide to give everything you have to work towards that dream, the universe is on your side and it will put pieces in place and bring the right people into your life at the right time. Have fun listening to this and make sure you give him a follow on his social media. Then let both of us know what you think of the episode. We'll be doing another one in the near future for sure. I love talking to this guy. Oh, and if you enjoy the episode after, I would like to remind you that giving this a review on Apple Podcasts will help get it in front of more eyes and ears. Either way, we're very grateful for you tuning in. Extremely excited to be here with my friend Steven Trueba. Yeah, and, you did say it. Okay, good. Yeah. After all these years, I still have to guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, who are you, Steven? Yeah, yeah. I am, I guess, yeah, first and foremost, I've always like been a songwriter, actually, was where the passion started. It was with like lyrics and, you know, poetry and rap, I guess, when I was really little. And then that passion for that just 
ended up growing and spilling into so many other pursuits because I really just wanted that creative control and that ability to manifest what I was feeling in the lyrics in every aspect of the creative process. And so it led to, to a much longer journey than if I had have just picked one pursuit and kind of stuck with it and focused on it. But I ended up, you know, really early getting into production and, you know, Fruity Loops and Reason and, you know, Logic Pro and eventually Ableton and um, videos too. I have like on my old, old, old PC from when I was even 12, I, I would do stuff in like, I'd take a photo and go into paint and like edit it and paint and just, you know, I just always have been into, I guess the whole, the full process of the creative process. And recently I've gotten good enough to make money off of it, but for a long time it was just really just the passion and the desire to become better at it. So I guess it's like, that would be the best bio for me would just be like songwriter first. And then like, because I wanted to tell the story better, I learned the rest of the process. All right. Awesome. Perfect start. Uh, I want to touch on the, on the monetary aspect here in a little bit, but, um, so what is who slash what is alter? Alter is the main, um, solo entity that I am now, I guess I started it about a year and a half ago now, and it represents just like my, my songwriting from, for myself. And, um, I, bring in usually a lot of collaborative producers for that project. So I get to experiment in a lot of different sounds and styles. And, um, my goal with the project is basically to, to be a, a household name, I think really with just like alternative electronic music. So it's, it's very vocal driven, but, um, just something that is a little left of center, I guess, not necessarily what the mainstream would be, but just something that is still, still just good songs but set to textures that maybe are different. <laughs> and and what was your relationship like with music when you were a kid, as you were growing up? I grew up in a very sheltered religious environment and actually wasn't even really allowed to listen to music at all. Like I have like church music memories and there were a few songs here and there that were pretty cool, I guess, and, and that certain people at the church that I went to wrote but um later when I got a little older I have a, a stepsister half sister and um she gave me like uh some CDs and stuff that just had like 50 cent in the club and just like you know some cool hip hop and some good rock and stuff and I started listening to like trance on MySpace pretty early it was like one of the first things that I think I branched out into on my own of my own taste and um it was just kind of weird because it wasn't until maybe I was 15 where I was really like listening to music the way that I think most people think about listening to music and um it was crazy man just to kind of get hit with everything at once you know you're not I had no filter or pre-connotation about any of these names. I was just listening to music and deciding what I liked instead of being like culturally told what was good. So, you know, for a long time, I, I didn't like like the Beatles or any of the classic rock stuff that I do now. I have a, a, an immense appreciation for, for them. But back then it was just kind of like, I don't know, I don't really like that. But I remember immediately loving like Eminem or Linkin Park or again like a lot of the old school it was still called techno because EDM wasn't even really a thing and I, I loved I loved listening to electronic music and it was just such um such an interesting feeling like I, I just remember getting basically high off of it like because imagine you're just like starved of 
good music. You know, you're only allowed to listen to just weird shit. And then one day you, you wake up and you're given all the good music and planet earth. <laughs> and so yeah. I just, it was for like, I, I think I was at the ocean with my family and my cousin had an iPod and it had like 300 songs. And I think she gave me that at the beginning of the trip. And for the whole week, I just sat in my bed, my bedroom listening to just music the whole time. And I was just like, Oh man, I love this. And I, I think I, I wanted to make it immediately. Like, I think I tried to start, you know, messing around with making it in different ways the moment I started listening to it, like very early on. But I just, since I didn't have that, almost that cultural upbringing in it, I lacked the technical understanding about even what it was. So like, you know, when I would try to rap, my cadence would be off beat and the syllables weren't counted correctly and I didn't have a good sense of rhythm or or melody or really anything I just knew that I loved these feelings that I was feeling and I wanted to like figure out a way to express that out of myself and again I think that's why the journey took longer maybe than a normal person to like in the same process but I think that it provided me a very unique sound and perspective because of just that that process of exposure I guess yeah definitely and what what age were you when you said you started making it or trying to make it? Uh, probably about 15. Okay. You know, four, four, 14 and a half. It was like, it was the first year of high school because up until that point I had been homeschooled. And then um, when I, 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 it was ironically around the time that I started like, exposing myself to music, but it just made me crave, you know, like that social connection. And I asked my mom to, you know, put me in public school. And then that, freshman year I remember like I had a in class I'd have like a separate whole notebook like and binder that had like all my musical ideas in it and so in class I was you know being homeschooled I was like way smarter than the public education system so I could do my like work in 10 minutes and then I would just like write songs the rest of the 50 minutes for each class and um it was it was really really fun I remember like I had, yeah, I'd, I'd print them off in like Word, you know, from the school computers, and so I'd have these giant like print offs of all these poetries and things, and it was it was cool, but it was just a uh, very like, I guess I didn't take it like serious serious yet. I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna be a musician. It just like really did, again came from passion and the desire to express myself, um, and and it really was just that. Like it wasn't like, oh, I want to be a famous rapper or any of that. It was just like, I like this. I want to do this. And, um, then maybe later there was that other stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's actually what I was going to ask next was when did, uh, like the path of being a musician or artist become like a viable option and like an, an actual, you know, possibility of a future for you? Well, I remember when it, when I decided that that's what I wanted, um, I didn't necessarily even believe that it was fully possible yet, but I knew that I was going to give it like the fullest shot that I could. And that was probably about. 18 I think because I remember um at the time you know my mom was you know telling me like what what she thought I should do for college and you know after school preparedness or whatever and I took all my money from like senior year and bought like um speakers and like just bought all the equipment basically and I told her like hey you know I think I want to do music and she at first was not really thrilled with that and she was just kind of like no that's stupid you know you're gonna kind of like you know, you're putting yourself at extreme risk and throwing away all the education that I gave you and all this. And we kind of had a really, really big argument. And I remember telling her like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm sorry. Like, I love you. And I, and I, I just believe in myself. And I think that like, I think that this is a possibility that I'll regret if I don't try it. 
And um, I, that was kind of like from that conversation, that was a pivotal like bouncing off point. And full disclaimer, my mom fully supports me now, loves me, does it, you know, believes in me. It was just like in that moment, I, I'm sure it, it would be unsettling if your 18 year old was just like, I'm going to do this. You're like, but wait, are you really thinking about all the, the variables? You know, um, there was no way she would have known that, that I was that serious. But, um, but it was, yeah, I think like that was the moment where I decided that, that I'm going to commit to it. And then when it really became viable, um, was probably about, yeah, three or four years ago, like honestly, right when we started meeting. And I think like when, when had had come out with Tezza talks and stuff, um, which we can talk about a little bit if we want to, but that that was just kind of the the first where I saw it, like oh, like we put this record out on our own and it got on a platform and got you know hundreds of thousands of streams and we now have a platform where we can release more music and people care about it and it up until that point it's something that I always wanted but I just didn't know like how it was going to happen you know it was just kind of like I just believed that in some way shape and form what I wanted would come to pass but just didn't know what even I was shooting for really other than just like write better music and become better <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. I I still remember when I first heard had uh and how I felt like the feeling that it gave me, you know, and then yeah. Tessa and Tasia and I ended up getting on the phone and, and then started talking to you. And, and so it was just like, that was also definitely a big uh, moment for me, I think too, you know, because it was, it was coming across that type of feeling that, that personal feeling when you hear a song and then working with you guys, creating the, such a, a bond, you know, and a relationship and just seeing how, it started out like that, you know, and what it, what it kind of became from there. Um, yeah. So how did you, uh, you know, get in contact with Tasia and you guys become, you know, friends and kind of how you decided to start working with other artist projects besides just working on your own stuff? Yeah. Well, so I guess the, the person that I got to shout out now and like the pivotal part of the story is right around 19 um, or I know I was actually 20. So 20, I, you know, I'd been like, you know, on the path of like, I'm going to do music professionally, but I don't know how yet. And I still don't have a lot of talent and I'm just like trying to, you know, I'm passionate, but trying to figure it out. And I've been creating stuff for two years. And I had this one song that I had written in high school that every time I'd play it for someone, and it was, it was just one of those magical songs, you know, it transcended my abilities at the time. And it, it was just something special. It was an authentic song about, um, just some like, party experiences I had had in high school but it really was like an emotional song still it had that underlying tone that I think my music has now and um I worked at Guitar Center at the time because I felt like that was the, the best opportunity to meet musicians and network was like by working there and so this guy came in Russian guy and he was like talking about how he shoots music videos and stuff and he was uh, you know bitching about some artists that he was working with and I was like wait you shoot music videos and you're looking for artists to work with like here here's some headphones listen to my song and so I showed him the song and he's like oh man this is so cool I see like motorcycles and drifters and cars and like this is crazy like fast and the furious and I was like oh okay cool yeah whatever man but like here's my number and like give me a call so I you know get a call from him like a few months later and he's like, hey, man, I you know, can't get the song out of my head. I, I really do want to shoot that video that I told you to, to the song. If you could come down to my warehouse, we, you know, we can talk about it. And so I come down and 
this guy's the real deal. He's got all the camera gear and the cranes and like everything. And, you know, again, he's telling me the idea and he's like, yeah, we're going to get motorcycles and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, I don't have any of those friends or people like, I don't know what you need for me, but I, I, I don't, I can't do any of that. He's like, Oh no, 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 you don't have to do any of that. Just show up on this date and I'll have everything else ready. And so I come and again, I, I just like want to perspectively, this, this song was okay, but me as an artist yet not developed at all. Like I'm, this is way over my head and I get there and he's the real deal, man. He, he booked a whole shoot, all these people. He hired a professional drifter. These motorcycle guys had the crane. There was probably a hundred people there and we're shooting this full budget music video for this, like really just okay song for me, you know? And, and, and like, it's just this surreal experience, but basically we loved working together so much. We, we tried to do a few more videos and he tried to put um, some light money into like an advertising budget for the songs and stuff. And they just weren't that good. You know, it was like, okay, but it wasn't going to like get wings and fly on its own. And so I, we tried to push it, but it just didn't work. And I, and I, and I knew why I was, I was aware. And I was like, man, I just don't feel like I'm up to your level yet. You know, I think that I need to develop more. And I think that, um, you know, the songs just aren't good enough to go on their own. So even if we spend all this money on a nice music video, it's not going to matter. Nobody's going to watch it because they just don't like the song enough. And so, um, he hired me to work at his magazine that he was running at the time. And I basically would just send out emails. I was kind of like, um, uh, a secretary, I guess, for this label. But he, he told me, I will hire you. You only have to work three hours a day, but I'll pay you as if you're working full time. And then um, use all that extra time that I'm giving you to work on your craft, become a better producer. But the deal was at the time, again, I'm 20, 28 now. He goes, you have to stop doing your own vocals. You have to work with other artists if you want me to pay for you to live and as long as you do that and he's like i believe in your production he's just like i just don't think you have what it takes to be the songwriter right now and so that was the process of when i started looking for other artists and started working with other people and at first um you know i wasn't finding anybody that was maybe as passionate as me like i would find people that were talented but then it would just like you know it was just kind of a hobby and they'd come through and we'd write a song or whatever but it was good experience for me but i wasn't finding somebody who was like on that same wave that i was but then um fast forward i did that for almost two years ish yeah two two years i worked for for him and that provided me a lot of time and i really did i took every single day to work on my craft and i got uh, significantly better and then I got hired um, at Apple was my next day job, Apple retail. And I, you know, I had to basically, he was like, all right, man, you know, like I can't keep hiring you here to do this, but uh, you know, um, it's time for you to get a regular job again. I still can support you on music videos, but um, you need to like figure out money some other way. And so I, I got a job at Apple. Cause again, I felt like that would be the best place that I could work to like be in the trajectory of, you know, a networking opportunity. And, that is how I met Tasia or Tezza talks. You know, she came walking in one day looking for a, a studio setup, and I had just built a reputation in that store as being the music guy. So anytime any single person in that store walked in looking for anything to do with music, they would just send that person to me. And so I, w I would I was able to network with a lot of people this way. But she came over and we kind of just hit it off. It was like an immediate vibe and um, at the time, she wasn't really doing music, and so she she kind of passed me off to one of her friends that was down in uh, California um, named Lex, and Lex was really, really good, really fun to work with, too. We wrote um, probably like two small EPs worth of music. It never ended up 
coming out most of it but it was really good you know i really liked a lot of that music that was when i started again growing more and more exponentially the curve was just continuing to go upwards as far as like my growth rate and we went down to la me and lex and i ran into tasia again and i played her the music that we had been working on and she was just like wow this is really cool you know i mean it would be fun to do something maybe um and then fast forward a few more months she lit she came back to seattle and we tried to write our first track together and it was a song called Kill Your Butterflies, which we'll still end up releasing. We have a new version of it still to this day. It's like continues to be reiterated. But um, it, it was she wrote it in, in five minutes and went into the booth and sang it. And it was just the coolest thing I'd ever heard in my life at the time. And I was just like, man, you're as fast of a writer as I am as a producer. You're passionate. You, you, you want this the way that I want it. Let's do this. Let's just fucking go in together, make a project and like put out music and so the next few months um i took another loan from my buddy vitali who was the one who had paid for me to live and he paid for us to go to la and like just basically rented a hotel room and had all these artists come through and we tried to write a bunch of different songs for this ep in our head and that ended up not materializing none of those those songs ended up coming out but i think that that was that final incubation period for that sound and we we did come up with a lot of technique and process there that i think ended up in had you know and and so when had came out it was this just this distillation of you know almost a year of work of, of work and writing together and you know figuring out how we could do something that was just very unique and um just forward thinking was kind of our goal all the time. Like, how can we like not be what everybody else is? <laughs> and so she really is, is still to this day, one of the best writers that I know. And so seeing her was just like one of those things in life where it was like, it was a blessing. Like it, I imagine it being like how people describe being in the studio with like Max Martin or like, you know, any of those like really legendary songwriters where it's, just prolific, I guess, seeing someone that's that good, because she'd been working on songwriting for 16 years prior to meeting me, you know, and even even me at that point had only been doing music for maybe six. And so she just had such a pool of talent and understanding of the process. And so for Alter, when I started writing my own material, um, a lot of her process and a lot of that DNA of, of the way that she does things is in my music, because I've seen her iterate so long you know it's almost been like four years of that yeah definitely i i love that story of how you guys met at the uh at the apple store it's just like yeah and then also hearing uh because you've told me before but how you met uh vitaly is that what you said his name is and he yeah. pushed you to work with other artists like that was that's such a cornerstone and a turning point for your career and it, it's that ego death part, you know, he's like, he, cause it's just like, from his perspective, it was an investment. He was like, I believe in you, man. And like, you got, you definitely have something special, but I think that this is the best way that we can do it now. And, you know, he was right with that assumption, like maybe not for life, like, but I remember even at the time he said, when you get to the point where you're making money off of this, then you can tell me, fuck you, I'm CEO, I'm going to sing, you know? And like, it, like, but he said, until you have that, like in that credibility and that leverage, he's like, you need to like, just focus on you know leveling up your production because that's where your talent actually is and that was something I think that I wouldn't have done on my own I was and still am not good at focusing on one thing I really like doing 
multiple things. I'm just, I just like being stimulated, I guess is really what it is. I just love stimulation. And so learning is like the, 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 the peak of stimulation for me. And so that when I pick up a new skill, it's like, Ooh, new and everything is, you know, foreign. And I'm just like absorbing massive amounts of information. But once you start to get to the, you know, the top 5% or even 10% of a craft, it's the, the, the growth is much more, um, incremental and it, it can be trickier to achieve and, and requires much more effort than it did in the beginning. And so I, I you know, I, at that time I was just like, Oh, I love writing. I love singing. I love videos. I love all this stuff. And I suck at all of it, but I want to do all of it. And he's like, man, maybe you should just produce and then, you know, get really good at that. And then you can do the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so interesting to hear someone just kind of like show up like that and have that type of the, that just in influence on you and that type of perspective to just kind of say like, Oh no, maybe you should just focus on this for now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, how do you battle or how do you deal with the battle between like the ego, you know, in terms of refining your craft and remaining patient with the process, but also knowing that like, you know, releasing things and putting things out there is part of the process. And so how do you, how did you, especially working with someone else on, you know, their prod project and their vision as well, like how, how did you work with that kind of that, that whole entire process of just remaining patient and kind of like vigilant? It was really hard in the beginning, man. And, and like, there wasn't a clear indicator. And I think the other thing that is a little caveat to all this is like, I was in a relatively low pressure and safe environment for a long time. I was able to live um, with like they're essentially like my godparents. But after after my you know I had moved out of like my parents' house, I moved in with um, he's like a technically a brother. You know I've known him since birth, and um, I moved in with him and his family and went to college with him for um, you know two years. I mean music college, but we still were going to college for like the two years after high school before I had met this Vitali person and. Um, in that time period, since there was low financial stress, you know, it was like, Hey, just go to school and do your shit. And like, we, you know, we're okay. You don't have to necessarily pay rent or like, and I, I had like at the time, like an EBT card so I could get food and stuff. So it was really just like, I had that the space to focus on the process and not be results driven. And I think that like, that's just a blessing. You know, that was, that's one of those things that like, if I was somewhere else, maybe I wouldn't exist because it is like one of those things that was like, it took a long time. It took a long, long time. This wasn't like in any way, shape and form ever an overnight thing. And so it was just, again, pure passion, pure, authentic, creative drive and like a low financial stress situation all combined to make that possible. But I think that now if I was to have the same perspective and I was in the situation then, like I was as mature as I am now, but I started then, um, I would just know that the, that the incubation process is really just as long as it, it like, it's weird, but it's like, it's something that is signaled by other people, I guess. Like you'll know when other people are begging you to release your music because they have to hear it again. And after you've shown that maybe you play a demo for someone and they're texting you about it, like, Hey, when's that song coming out? That's when you have a song or, you know, maybe that you're ready, you know, you're ready for, and you, you can release stuff before then, or, you know, put stuff out if you want, but then you just have to be okay with the fact that the results are not maybe going to be what you want. And that's okay if, if you're okay with that, you know? And so like we put some songs out like that with Tezza originally before 
we had had and the other songs that blew up, we put out a song called Resurrection and Resurrection for like almost a year had like less than a thousand plays on SoundCloud or something like it was it wasn't big, but it was a record that we were authentically really proud of. And then later ended up, you know, getting more streams and getting blog and stuff because it was still a good song. But at the time, no one told us to put that song out. You know, we just did it. But then had was one of those records where like every single time we'd show it to somebody, they would be like, oh my God, wow. You know, like there was just clear signaling where it wasn't like, hey, listen to my song. And then they're like, oh, wow, yeah, this is really cool. Anyway, like, let's go back to life. It was like the the energy of the being shown this thing would just like, it would pause the room, you know? And I, and I feel like the other artist that I worked with at the time was Jesse Siren. And the, the same thing was happening with that Sway song that we signed to to you guys is like, that was the same feeling where like, we would play that for people and it just had this X factor, I guess, where people would just react to it the same way, no matter who they were, where they were from, they would just be like, this is a good song. And I think, um, up until those two records, my music was objectively good, but it wasn't to the point where it was like universally understood the same, like people that liked my genre might like my sound or people that liked that type of music might like one of my songs, but it wasn't like this feeling of like, a hundred percent acceptance you know i guess and so that that period is like or that's what i look for now and i think because i've done so many songs that have had that feeling for me now i now have a sense of intuition where i i don't necessarily even need other people to know when i have found those records you know and and it's like i still like the confirmation and i'll still go through the vetting process afterwards just to make sure that it's not my own confirmation bias but I feel like my radar now is well refined and I can just feel it. You know, it's like, it's like a chakra thing almost where you're like sitting there and then like you write that record and like, you just feel this energy rise up through you and you're just like, wow, dude, this is like, I can see the future with this song. You know, I imagine it on Coachella main stage or like I see someone listening to this on a subway crying because like, it's so personal to me and it's going to be so personal to them. And I, I, I can just tell when those records are, are there. And then, um, and so, but that incubation period is important, I guess, is like what I would say to anybody doing it now. It's just like really giving yourself time, you know, as in any way that you can and try to detach from the results for as long as possible. Because once you start making money and you start really like adventuring into things in, in a different way, it's, it's harder to remove the results from your, your, uh, process. <laughs> yeah. But in the, in the beginning, it, it really, it was what allowed me to play. I played a lot. I like experimented a lot and I, um, a lot of bad things were made, but I think that technique was developed from that, that I couldn't ever have learned off YouTube, you know, because yeah. no one else, no one else was doing it that way. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm so interested in like how you had that kind of like frame of reference and almost like bar that you were trying to reach in terms of then being, you know, comfortable or wanting to put something out. And like, like you said, it all comes back to like, you can't pinpoint 
or think about like one detail that makes a song have that wow factor that x factor it's a complete it's a complete feeling you like you can't it's almost indescribable and and it's and it's undeniable like you can't turn it off like you can't and no one else can so it's like an addiction it's like when you hear a good song that you really authentically love you want to hear it again you can't help yourself you're like i need to hear that again and so if people are, are asking for that from you you shouldn't have to like tell people to want to listen to your music again you know it's like if they do they they will want to and like that's i guess like we're kind of desensitized to that because so much bad music tends to make it into the spotlight and and you know maybe like it was paid to be there or something and so like there, there are those records that throw people off the trail where it's like oh this is cool and it's like no that was cool because they had the money to make it cool, you know, and like inherently or there was maybe some cultural movement behind it that was different. You know, it's not about the music. It's about like the thing that the activity that the music was leading to or something else. But when it comes down to like, I don't know, I, I like I like Drake. But when I when it comes down to Drake, it's like it's just good songwriting. I feel like when I listen to it, you know, and like you can like not like it, but it's like he's just telling a story. So it's like you just either didn't like the story or you know you don't like him but it, like it's like it, otherwise you're going to probably like it <laughs> yeah definitely and it's almost like that uh like that authentic energy that goes into it is really felt on the other side by the listener as well it's like and the authenticity and and vulnerable i always vulnerability you know it's like like russ says it's like a magnet and so it's like people when you put that type of energy into your craft like people are going to feel it on the other side and so how did you separate from like I'm going to make what I want to make and what I want to hear versus I should be making this because this is what people may like I got you yeah I think well it, it comes down to like I just wouldn't enjoy the process if I was making something for someone else specifically like if that was my starting point where I was like oh yeah I should create this I really love to approach the things from like that playful end and enjoy enjoying the process. You know, I do want to enjoy writing music. Like I love it. So like if I, if I'm doing it and I'm like having a good time, what I do is my, my strategy, I guess, has been to just write as much as possible, rapidly prototype, rapidly iterate, um, throw as many ideas at the per day at the wall as possible. And then just show like, a catalog, I guess, to like people like you or other people that I would consider to be like a tastemaker or someone who understands like the future of where things are going or whatever. And I just get a, a bunch of data points and then I, I allow the the selection process to determine what should be released first. But that doesn't necessarily get in the way of the creative process. I'm still creating ideas all the time that people may be just not ready for yet or they don't understand yet or I'm not communicating the idea correctly. Like it's, it might be inherently a good idea, but my version of that idea might suck, you know. And so that's kind of like where um, I feel like the, the rapid prototype is the way that for Alter specifically, like my stuff is how I approach that. And so I do a sketch a day at least, you know, I open up my computer and I put down chord progression and some drums real quick, put on the mic and just sing. And I write melodies and sometimes I write lyrics and sometimes I mess around with sounds, but I'm always trying to like experiment and iterate in different directions and, and as wide as possible. You know, my, my album that I just put out for Alter, A Breakup Story, the mixtape has like screamo stuff on one end and then I have like MGMT indie 
really ethereal festival pop on the other end. And it's like, those are two very authentic emotions where both of those emotions I was feeling at different times, but they're very different things, you know, on the spectrum of like emotion, I guess. But I think what you're saying is, is true. It's just like I, those songs came to be on the album though, because the reactions that I got after the fact, there were other songs that I wrote at the same time that were all still authentic to me, but just for, for whatever reason, don't transcend that like language barrier you know i guess for lack of a better word it's like i got it i feel the feels but then like the the general consensus of that reaction doesn't agree that that's the right version of that yet so when that happens i'll just like put that song back in my archive and then like approach it again later and you know um what one crazy example of this is that I have a song called Falling Short and it's it's my only song that's on an official Spotify playlist currently and it's in the Alternative Beats playlist and it's indie. I released it on my own, no promotion, no blogs and it got in there. That song I wrote with somebody when I was 17 years old in high school. Um, I, I resurrected the guitar rift and the some of the drums and stuff from one of my old hard drives and I rewrote new lyrics to it and a new melody to it. But the vibe of that record was something that I made when I was 17, almost 10 years ago. And it, because of the digital backup system and because of the way that I, I iterate, um, I knew that I could make it cool. Now I was like, Oh, like this is now perfect. I like, this is like going to sound really fresh right now. And maybe 10 years ago it wouldn't have because it was like not the right time, you know? So there's just like, kind of understanding like I guess again intuitively just like responding to my own feelings first and then just making enough content that like the democracy will have something that it likes yeah I, I love the uh, I, I think I remember when you posted uh, something online about when you pulled that old project up and you said it was like collaborating with your younger self yeah yeah no and I and in that that was that was that example one of the main ones I mean that one's the coolest because it got into the official Spotify playlist and stuff and I think that that was just awesome to see it with that track because it's like that proved that it was just like a hundred percent about the vibe and it didn't have anything to do with the label or the promotional apparatus someone put that in there because they liked it yeah. and it and, and it stays in there because people like it so it's like that's one of those examples where it was like yeah you know like Again, intuition, not everybody likes that song, but like the people that I wrote that for like that song. Definitely. <laughs> intuition is so important. We were talking about that last time we caught up and how it's so easy to just get caught up in the head and the thoughts and all these what ifs and, and just how peeling back that, that kind of ego is so important to be able to just listen to your intuition, let it pull you in the right direction. Especially creatively, you know, it's like that, that is like, it really is like the muse or whatever, you know, the voice in your head. It's like, it really is trying to like speak to you all the time. And so like, if you can get into that place of experimentation, I think that it has more room to communicate with you and you can like come up with cooler ideas. Absolutely. But, so how do you, uh, what sort of habits, um, do you have outside of creativity, uh, that you, uh, you know, just maintain to stay healthy and in the right mindset and keep that, um, the energy aligns so you can tap into the muse kind of, you know, at will almost. Yeah. Well, so the main thing that I, I think helps me a lot is like, I'm very organized and, and this might not be at the same necessity for a lot of people. I am again, not very focused on one thing. I do a lot of different things and a lot, I have a lot of different roles in alter. And like currently when we're recording this, which is 
what we're, we're in um, March. Yeah. March, uh, 2020, I am still self-managed and I do like all my own, pretty much everything. So like when it comes to like my headspace, I'm just trying to curate space in my head. And what I mean by that is when I sit down at my laptop, I want to feel like there is no pressure there. It's not results driven. Um, it's just like sitting down and like doing the thing that I've been doing for years and then like just trusting the process. And that's still hard, you know, especially now that money is on the table and like, um, you know, opportunity seems to be everywhere. It's like, I really am like compulsively wanting to just jump on it. But I think what helps slow things down for me and create space is uh, I, I, every single day when I wake up, I, or actually it starts the night before, but when I'm going to bed the night before I write down like three at least, but sometimes more things that I want that like would make me feel like the next day would be successful if I did them. So it's like, if I finish these things tomorrow, I'll feel good about myself. And uh, you know, that that's going to be like, um, that's going to be a significant step forward in this process. And so I put those down. And then when I wake up the next morning, I start my day with like gratitude. And I'm just like, I am thankful for, and then I start listing off as much as that authentically comes to mind. Like, I'm not just saying this to like write it down or to like feel like I wrote it. It's like, I really want to feel that sense of like, I am blessed to have these things. And so like, for me, a big one every morning is just like my, this space specifically my studio. Um, it's a special place, man. I can record here anytime of day or night, be as loud as I want. Um, it's very cozy. It's got a good acoustics and it's like, I pay such low money for it considering where it is. And so that's one of those things that it's just like, I know that this is a special spot, you know, I'm, I'm honored and blessed to have it. And so I, I try to remember that and like, you know, not lose perspective on, on what, things in my life are a gift and you know like where I where I'm where I where I am like given special opportunities and then that allows me to kind of feel a sense of space where I'm like okay like shit is actually pretty good even if like that month my finances are getting smacked or like you know there's just like clients that are arguing with me on the phone or whatever it may be else going on in the background I'm able to kind of like soften some of that noise and create clear focus in the same moment of like today's going to be these things are important this is what matters if I was going to do like one thing with my energy and my time this is what I need to do first and just holding myself accountable to that list um and then below the so there's the, the gratitude then there's the um, that today would be great ifs. And then below that, there's the, I am like almost, uh, affirmation section. And I, I, I switch those up a lot. Like I, like sometimes for a while I would write, um, I am constantly expanding my mental perspective because I wanted to like understand more about everything. I was just like, I feel like I'm very like in a narrow point of reality and I'd like to like see a wider view. And so I was constantly just writing that down to bring, that into attention. And I think during that period, when I was writing that down, I was doing a lot more research and just like reading more and doing things that maybe weren't directly affecting the music per se, but like mentally were, were giving me the tools that I would need to like be a better leader and a better, better creative or whatever. Um, and now, now specifically I am writing, I am a leader because it's like, I noticed that like a lot of the things that I'm having to do now come down to being a better leader, you know, to like to leverage my time correctly and to leverage the energy and to leverage the brand. Um, it comes down to making better judgment calls and having a vision. And so those are things that I'm trying to, to focus on now, but that note format 
helps a lot. And then um, other than that, I think like having whiteboards and just constantly like allowing yourself to wander, I guess. <laughs> like I wander a lot. Like I, I do stay really focused whenever, whenever I need to stay focused. But if I have like a, an impulse or an intuition that says like, just go like watch YouTube videos about the printing press for four hours. Like I'll, I'll do that. You know, I really will just like go like into the weeds and just like follow my curiosity because I think that like fostering that is the voice that people generally tell to be quiet because they're, they're thinking they're doing it out of responsibility. They're like, Oh, that that's like bad. You know, I shouldn't, that's a waste of time. That's not directly feeding into the current goal that I think I need to be accomplishing. But sometimes like, the expanding your perspective comes down to like you're you could be doing something different that would have a better result but you just don't know because you're not aware <laughs> so you're doing like this other thing and you're working really hard at it or maybe even really you're doing it really well but you could be doing something else that would be way easier and way better and so i think like following that into the into the like into the like I just picture RPGs when you're like I don't know like Skyrim and you're like out in the 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 backwoods or whatever like killing monsters and you're finding all the treasures just like way off the map you know and like you find cool swords and stuff like it's like that and so like I'll, I'll reel it back in you know there are days where I'm like okay man it's been you know day four and you're still not doing the video you should be editing you're out here still researching the printing press on YouTube like probably come back now but there is that like level of ADD that I like allow myself to have I guess and I and I like I like that I like my mind to wander and I don't I think that that's like a luxury that I can afford now whereas like you know when you are under financial pressures or stress of any kind really you fear fear focuses you and that's that can be helpful sometimes but when you're trying to find solutions to complex problems it's not helpful yeah absolutely oh man that was a I hope I hope people are taking notes. I was. That was a. That was some gold right there. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. But um. So like. So to kind of supply your income, you know, uh, after you were working at the Apple Store, you started doing video for people and yeah. different clients and stuff like that. And then, so where did you start to see the business side of things intertwine with? the artist and, and creation side of things. And, you know, like, I think it seems like it was a very natural and organic process, but like, you know, looking at where you're at right now, it's like, if you have a vision for something, you technically don't really need other people to complete it, you know, to, to get that vision done because of the, uh, self sustainability that you've been able to implement into just everything that you do. And so where did you see that kind of start to intertwine and start to see like, okay, like I, I really want to start treating this like a business. Yeah, I think it was man around the same time that I worked at Apple. It's just, I just didn't have the tools or maybe the right mentor to, to do it. And even still, man, I, I feel like I'm in that place. Like if anyone's listening to this, that wants to be my manager, that thinks they got what it takes. Let's talk, you know, like it just comes down to like, I, I don't think I really still know. I think it's just like, I, I have, if, if we're to imagine again that this is an RPG, my character is like level 50 laptop, 
you know, like I have like the, the all the fucking magic powers. I can make this laptop manifest just about anything. But when it comes down to like the real technical understanding of like taxes or, um, you know, just I, the, the right way to leverage resources or something like that. I'm I'm a little intimidated sometimes, and it is a it is a process. It's it, but it is a gradual, continuous growth right now. And I think when it hits a point where, you know, the the reach of the platform over over shadows like the growth rate or whatever. I don't know how to explain it, but basically, when it hits that tipping point, it'll be um, it'll be a lot easier to figure out. I'm just still in this awkward phase where like I don't quite have enough financial leverage to bring on other people to the extent that I need to, but I also do need those people. <laughs> so it's like I just need to hold on to I think a little bit longer, and you know, just I just I have this advice that uh the, I, the the ceo of google up until i think 2017 or whatever said and he was saying that in that period of rapid growth he came on the company when it was like 10 people and then of course google's huge now and so he saw the company grow from that size to this size and he said the only thing that he could do to keep things moving smoothly through that whole like rapid growth expansion was just continuing to focus on the product and i think for me that product is the music and so i'm just always trying to push myself to be a better songwriter and I, I i guess i'm old school or maybe like an idealist in this sense but i do believe that if i was to write the best song i've ever written you know in relativity to the other songs that have already been released that that would do what it's supposed to do and i wouldn't have to worry about the rest as much like if i like let's just say for instance that i was to, like to land a, a licensing deal a sync deal for one of my songs that money would be extremely helpful but it would be enough for me to figure out everything else you know i would i would know how i would know i guess what to do with that money now i would i would know how to like take that and to build it more but i'm in this period right now where i'm just focusing on i guess the content and the brand and like um continuing to build catalog i guess because i still don't feel that i have like truthfully enough like i'd want to be able to walk into any meeting or any room or just and confidently know that i have like what it takes to like make what they want i guess you know or make what i want uh, yeah so. yeah definitely and all comes down to like you said like the the product and the foundation of everything else that comes with it because if if the music isn't to the bar of standard and expectation that you've set for yourself, then there's nothing else to do with it. Cause you're not going to have, you know, you're not going to have the reception like, like you have and been able to listen to your intuition with what things to put out and all of that. And so, yeah, I, I, it's, it's that, I guess that, that feeling that like, um, I almost had it. It's like the, it, it will do good on its own without any help if it's really really good like and, and it won't do as good as it could possibly do without help if that makes sense like it, if my if we took one of my highest performing songs if that had you know an industry level pr budget behind it of course it would do better but it's already doing so well just off the fact that it's like what it is and so i guess that's the biggest part of control that i have over this process is like i can write better music i do believe that but I cannot necessarily in my current position hire a PR company. You know, it's just like not something I can afford to do yet or justify yet. But like at, eventually I will. But it's like I want it to be to that point where it's like 
that PR company was funded off the money that came from the songs being good in the first place, not just me risking like completely off speculative hope that something's going to like pop off. You know, it's like, okay, like, no, we already know this works. We already have the working model. We, we now, if we put money into this, it's going to just accelerate what already is versus like trying to build a, a foundation off of something that we don't even know if it's working, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And like, so I think a lot of people have like the misconception as well that like, yeah, you can refine your craft and, you know, create amazing music, but you can't just put out one song and then expect to see things come in and see the results. And so like, how have you dealt with, you know, um, that feeling of, you know, putting something out, knowing it's really good music, not seeing maybe results or listens or streams come in as fast as po- as you would have expected, but then just yeah. putting your head down again, focusing on more amazing music. And then six months, a year later, all of a sudden you see streams coming in on that first song, you know, that you knew was amazing. Well, and that's that guarantee. I guess that, that gets easier for me too, as, as I get older, because I've seen more of that happen, but there were tests of faith where I would put something out and, you know, it would be like, fuck, I really did believe in this and maybe I was wrong and I'd start to like doubt myself. But now I've seen it turn around enough times where I just, I know it's like, okay, as long as again, I trust my process where it's like, I wrote authentic stuff and then I had it vetted by a bunch of people that I trust their taste. And so if it, if it's been released it's it's gone through as much of a security check as it possibly could have it's gonna do well it just needs to find the right audience and then that's where like i guess i've i've been accidentally blessed maybe with some certain opportunities you know through through you and edm.com through trap nation through suicide sheep like all these different platforms at different moments like took a risk on me i guess and then i think that like it, it, because it's the song was good, then the risk was like, well, you know, it was worth it for the, the, the platform. And then I can continue to build and work with them more. And so that that's kind of like, again, it's the only variable that I can control for sure. Like other things are still like up to me. And I, you know, if I'm not emailing the blogs or trying or whatever, it's not going to go on its own necessarily. But I just know that at the root, if the song is good, everything else is just going to go easier. And I think it actually came from that conversation with you when I had come to New York and you, you told me that at the time, like basically uh, when a track does that, you guys called it getting wings, I think, or growing wings or something like that, where the track would just supersede your PR engine. You'd put it out, you would do the same thing you do with every other release, but then it would just go. And I think like, I, I realized that like, that's what I need to do then. I need to like write every song that has, I need to give every song wings, you know, and like easier said than done. But I think that like, that has been my goal ever since that I, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it. I, I, I think currently at this point, there's been about six songs in my catalog that, that have wings, you know, to some extent, they might be small wings. They might, some of them got bigger wings, but like they're flying on their own and they're going, you know, up exponentially at some level uh, where it's just growing all the time without any added effort. And um, I just think that the ones that aren't doing that yet, that just means that, you know, again, communication error. Like I just need to become a better writer, become a better singer, become a better engineer and, and make sure that that idea that I had the authentic emotion for 
is just translating correctly, you know, and it's translating better maybe even to like more people. But that's what's, that is where you were talking about it, I guess, where the releasing is still part of the process because even the songs that are good, that are still getting good streams that are not growing wings necessarily, that I still can learn from them because I can see what types of people do like them and then what types of fans don't like them. You know, it's like, oh, okay, like, I, you know, especially in my catalog, it's so diverse and like the sounds so broad that there are different songs that some people, some of my fans just don't like, but they do like this other one. And then vice versa, some of the other fans love that one and don't like these other ones. And so I'm fine with that as long as that they're willing to still follow the brand and that, you know, they don't, I don't want necessarily a fan to love every single the same songs like i would like there to be different songs that uh, attach to different people but then have this broad sense of like my personality that's like the real gravity to the to the brand i guess and so that's what i'm trying to do with the visuals and with the new wave of material that i'm starting to write is just like really focusing on the personality of it and then just like allowing the style or the genre or like who likes it or whatever to just kind of be decided after the fact yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter on the front end you know when you're creating yeah 100 percent um what and so like even coming back to the idea of you know product first refining your craft like you know you mentioned names like trap nation suicide sheep um uh you know what uh, you released on vigilant their record uh, label as well yeah, right yeah valiant um, yeah. Va- valiant yeah sorry um and so like it's almost like that mentality comes across for that part of the process as well because people are always you know kind of like how do i get in contact with record labels and a and r's and and things like that and it's like well a lot of people's emails are publicly available or submission emails or demo emails and so if you've spent years refining your craft and that next step is reaching out to you know maybe a label to try and partner up with them on a release that and i go back to the word control is like that's really all you can do is just refine your craft reach out be persistent and then go from there and you know and if the product is is to that standard then that product will be noticed and there will be attention to it well, and that's the vacuum versus like the push, right? And that that's, I guess, what it's like. It's easier for something to be pulled in by the by the person than it is for you to push it on them, you know? And like, that's where it's like, that is what I'm trying to always avoid. Like if I get a sense that I'm pushing something versus it getting pulled in, then it's like, it's just, you're, you're swimming against the current. And it means that it's, it, it is possible still, like people get through that way. I would say like, a lot of like Russ's resentment in his interviews is from that energy. Cause he spent a lot of time pushing, um, when, you know, later in his career, he allowed things to just be pulled. And I think, but I think he still was like, ah, oh, I'm mad. Cause like, I, you know, still spent a lot of time. I was telling you guys, this was going to be cool and you didn't want to listen to me. So like, you know, that sucks. Like, y- y- you know, I guess, so there is that, but I, I think, yeah, I think like with the labels and stuff, like, the, the suicide sheep example I'd be happy to share like obviously with the the Tezza talk stuff had is how you found that and so we we met that way but like yeah with with the suicide sheep one they came across me on SoundCloud they found my tracks and it related to their other artist section and the guy one of their A&Rs found me and I'd been emailing them for months dude like I sent probably like 16 submissions like 25 emails they never got back to one of them and that's fine like I get it they're busy as fuck they probably have 
10,000 emails a day. But it's just like that. It was the music. It was just the music cut through the sound. They found it on SoundCloud of all places, you know, and just was like, hey, you know, we love your work. Do you have any demos that you're working on? I was like, actually, I have hundreds. <laughs> you know, here you go. Take your pick. What do you want? And like it, it, it just being prepared for that opportunity on the back end and, you know, having my process refined enough that like, you know, right now I have like Cloud Kid waiting for a song for me and like I haven't been able to figure out the right record for them yet but it's cool to know that they're just they're they're open you know they're waiting they're waiting for one and like um i'm not forcing it i'm not like oh i gotta write that cloud kid record that's such a cool opportunity i should drop everything else i'm doing and just figure that out it's just like no i'm, I'm just gonna keep writing and then like i'll send them stuff and eventually they're gonna like one and then i'll be on there too but it's just like it, it is about again same thing they they reached out to me you know it was like at this point and so in the beginning it is it's that the beginning is the hardest part. And that someone told me this when I first started Altern, it was like, it's strangely comforting. And, and the advice was basically like, it will never be as hard to get a follower for Alter as it is right now. Meaning that like your first follower is your hardest follower to get your second follower is slightly easier, your third follower is slightly easier, 500th followers, even easier. It just gets easier. So like the, that first, the beginning is as hard as it will ever be to do something, you know? And that, that comforted me because when I started, it was, I had so much resistance. I picked a pretty dumb name for SEO with the period. And so all the search engines and the Instagrams and Spotify and everything, I wasn't even appearing in searches at first. And it's so like people that wanted to find my music couldn't even find my music. And so there was like a lot of stress around that. But then I just kept telling myself, like, it's only going to do this to me one time. And then once I cross that threshold and I have enough followers to appear, it's going to get easier and easier and easier. And it and it has and it, and it will. And so I just would tell anybody like starting out that that like this is a, this is as good as you'll ever have to be technically you know like once you break through that like first area you could just slide you could just coast if you wanted to like that's not in my nature i won't do that but but like it, it does have a sense of gravity i guess that like starts to you know pull in more and more and more and more as, as you grow yeah 100 <laughs> percent. what would you say like you know you just touched on you know this first kind of growth part always being the hardest and the most difficult and it's like a very much an upward battle what are are there any other challenges that um you know ha have been very difficult and that you've had to overcome whether they be internal challenges or external and by internal you know i mean the ego getting in the way fear self-doubt that sort of thing I struggle with fear a lot and it's you know I think everybody does it's just like how you deal with fear or or doubt or whatever and like it is it is scary you know it's like it's it's doing something that first of all a lot of people are trying to do so if you're just looking at this like as a business person like separate your artist brain for a second just be like all right I have money or resource time and I want to invest this to create something that I love doing and you know more opportunity or whatever music is like if you were playing again a video game that's the hardest difficulty you're like oh I want to be like the hardest character and I want all the you know enemies and adversaries to be like the hardest possible I want to play with one life you know I want to have like no weapons whatsoever when I start like it's just really challenging you know and like but I think that like I guess where I offset that for me personally is that like I love it so much and I have to do it anyway 
like it's it's like part of me like I can't not create like if I was just to be like I don't have a laptop and like I would be like in my notebook writing songs or like you know there were, they, I would just find a way to create regardless of whatever was at my disposal and so for me it was like all right either I invest my time and resources into something that might be more of a for sure shot but will be harder because I don't care about it as much or I do this thing that is insanely hard but then like I care about it so much that it's going to offset that that difficulty a little bit for me. And I guess just for me personally, when I really ran the simulation, that one made more sense. So I was just like, you know, I I, I, I got to at least try full force with Alter was the con- conclusion I came to before I discredit it being possible. Yeah. You know, and then I and I've seen enough results specifically with this brand that I am like I'm continued to like. I'm, I'm, I'm continually forced to face that fear and just be like, well, it's working to the best you could possibly ever conceive. So like, you have to keep going, you know, like at this point, like, you know, it, it's just kind of like, if I was to stop now or turn back now, it like, it, it would be a dishonor to the opportunity, I guess. So, you know, it's like, it's there now. So like, I, I have to like take it <laughs> otherwise yeah. like that was, you know, you're, not for, yeah. Yeah. Your, your soul's purpose. You found it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I guess just the community impact too, you know, it's been like awesome to, to, I I guess because people know me personally in in my community and they know how like normal I am, I guess, for lack of a better word, like I'm not an exceptional, you know, musician. I'm not an exceptional producer necessarily. Even I just have passion and I like do it a lot. And so they, they see that and they're like, dang, man, like I, I, I imagine the, the internal dialogue for someone watching me is, wow, I guess if Steven can do it, then like I can. Because, you know, if, if you know me for real, for real, you understand that like I'm not anything special. And so I think that 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 provides me a lot of like hope and like uh, it almost gives me more strength in those moments because it's like I want to prove people wrong that want to have excuses. I'm like your excuses are not shit, dude. Like, I'm sorry. Like you can do whatever you want. Like if you don't want to do this, it's fine. You know, I'm no one's going to get mad at you, but don't try to tell me that it's not possible because it's fucking possible. I promise. Yeah. Like, and then, so like when I, when I'm taking the steps, I just like, remember that. And I try to like keep that positive attitude because I see a lot of really talented people that are like honestly farther and better than me, but, but internally allow fear to dictate more. And so they don't take the opportunities or they're, they're not, uh, again, that I am constantly expanding my mental perspective. They're not, they're not trying to like expand their perspective. And so then they're, they're kind of stuck with their perspective and their fears. And then they just like, don't do it. (laughs) I guess like they don't Nike it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And it's almost like, uh, like fear is the compass for seeing how, where to go. So you can enhance your perspective. It's like, it points you in the direction then it's like, okay, you know, I'm not, and I think people always confuse fear and danger. Like danger is different. Like fear, having fear <laughs> towards a, like a future path for yourself is like, that's, that's the compass. That's where your, your heart is pointing you to go to say like, there's growth here. Like, please come follow me. Yeah. Well, and I guess like the danger, the danger is in my head too, though. I really, I would be honest, like we just had the conversation today. I don't want to bring it up on, on the air here, but it's just, there's just stuff that like, I get scared. I'm like, am I going to have health insurance? You know, am I going to be able to pay my rent? Those thoughts are real thoughts, but like, I guess it's just, um, 
putting one foot in front of the other. And then as long as you can sense that things are working objectively, you know, where again, it's like, I guess I put some, some results benchmarks down where I was like, if, if it does do these things, then I would, then I, then I am forced to acknowledge that it's working, <laughs> you know? And I, and like, and then if it didn't do those things, I still would be doing it, I guess, but it might, I might, be allocating my energy subtly different you know but because i'm seeing all the green lights go i like i'm putting those like those benchmarks down and i'm i'm hitting them i'm like okay like then you have to go harder you you can't like the the, the, this is the time to go faster than if it's working you know you can't you got to jump on it well you can't i guess and so like that being in alignment you do feel it i do feel it when i'm swimming right right now with the music videos is one of those things where like an example was we needed to shoot this video and we needed to shoot it in a limo and we didn't have a really high budget and we were like, fuck, you know, we really need a limo. And we just shot a video with this other girl who does these events curation for like this giant cannabis company. And I was like, I bet she knows somebody who has a limo that we can use. And it was just like an intuition thing again, like very subtle internal voice. And I hit her up and she was like, oh yeah, I'll get in contact with them. Two days later, dude, we're shooting in a full stretch Hummer limo for the music video for like a hundred bucks. And it was perfect. It literally is exactly, I, I couldn't have created a better limo, you know, in my yeah. head. And so it's just one of those things where like, that was one of those moments where it was, I could tell the, even the events leading up to me meeting her and how it all fit together. It was just so much going right that it's like it supersedes the, the natural chaos of the world. And you're like, oh, this wouldn't have happened unless I was like wanting this to happen like this. You know, this was this was some level caused by my actions. And then that's where that's where I just try to double down on that when it's going. And I can feel when I'm out of alignment, too, you know, and shit's like not working, you know, and like it's the, it's not like resistance. It's like literally like trying to stop you, you know, like yeah. full <laughs> like don't go that way. Yeah. Like that's not the way. Yeah. Like they're, they're a good example of that is like, maybe you'll have like a money thing where like a client will hit you and you'll be like, Oh wow, that's a really good idea for money. Um, but then like for some reason it'll just, the, the, they'll just keep flaking. You won't be able to get there. The traffic will be too bad one day. Like all this stuff will just seem to be getting in your path to try to stop you from like connecting this opportunity or whatever. And then later, something will happen and you'll realize that if you did that thing, you would be somewhere totally different, not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so it kind of like you saved you from yourself is like how I believe personally it works for me. It's just like your, your brain, your spirit knows what you want and how you need to get there. And then sometimes we don't want to listen to it because we are scared of the danger. And it's like, Hey, it's not actually going to be dangerous if you go this way for you because you're special and you're you and I got you, I know what's over there, but you just need to listen to me. (laughs) But then we're like, but, but no, I don't know. I I don't think I can walk on water. That's not scientifically possible. (laughs) Yeah. And that's again, back to the intuition. It's like that knowing and like, when to stop pushing, when to stop forcing something and just say like, okay, clearly this is all happening for a reason. Like, let's sit back, observe, see what I can take away from this. And that's like accountability versus responsibility, I think is like the accountability is like, let me see if I can break this down. Responsible is like all the things that you're supposed to be taking care of but then the accountability is like everything that you can see within what you're supposed to be taking care of so if you're if you're allowing yourself to be more accountable like on my end it's like when something doesn't work let's say i don't get on a label that i wanted to be on or a song doesn't get as many streams as possible i try to not take the narrative of like it's the externals fault 
I'm just like, well, what could I have done to control that outcome better? And some of it you have to forgive yourself for because you can't control everything. But there is a percentage of everything that you do have the ability to affect you know, on some small level and some, some of it's big, you know, like with the music thing for me, I do, I keep going back to that, but it's like, you can affect how your music sounds a hundred percent. So like that is up to you, you know? And then like the, the, how someone responds to it, that's not really under your control. You can, you can learn techniques that allow your idea to convey better to somebody, but it's still up to them how they're going to like understand your work. Of yeah. art, you know. Yeah, the reaches of control. That control word's a bitch. <laughs> but and then like the you know like I or I just had a super interesting one that's like I don't know I'm kind of it's uncomfortable even to share but I like I I think it's maybe worth talking about. I I'm putting out a video in um, a few weeks for a song called Everyone's a Hypocrite and the song's about basically an ex deleting all the photos of your relationship off Facebook after you break up, and in that record i like we needed something really aggressive for the music video so in the music video i'm in this creepy haunted looking warehouse and i'm holding a torch like a full on fire torch like indiana jones torch and i put a super small snippet of that video in my story but no context you know it's just like here's me holding a torch and then um the song on instagram playing on top of it and one of my fans messaged me and he goes hey man i know this isn't you but you kind of look like a neo-nazi in the in the in the thing because of the torches right like all those guys protesting with the torches and like i was like dang like you know of, of course if someone sees the full video or whatever they're not going to have that context but like from that dude's perspective in that one little moment he had like he related the symbolism of those guys protesting in the south with the torches to me also being white in a in a in a similar environment and thought that you know and i and i and i went back and forth with the phone messenger for a while and i was like no 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 you know this is actually what the song's about and like i i you know and i was like showing i showed him the whole video and i was like you know do you still think it feels that way and he's like oh no shit you know it just kind of was worried about it from that one screenshot but that's one of those things where it's like i wouldn't even have thought of that you know i wouldn't even have that wouldn't even have been in my perspective model because i'm i'm not thinking that way i'm not even like remotely attached to that world and so seeing that like perspective of somebody else from another you know he's from another country too so it's like he's just seeing that from media you know and like there, there was some symbolism in those objects that i didn't even consider would would occur for this person and so there, there's things like that that are, that are like that that are happening all the time with our music that that people just aren't telling us you know like aesthetically it reminds them of something that they just don't like or you know, that their culture doesn't appreciate or whatever. It could be it, many different variables or factors could be happening. The the lyrics, the word you use there isn't cool anymore. Like there's just certain things that can trigger people to, to feel different ways. And so you can use that to your advantage too, because certain symbols have a certain um, already existed understanding about what that means. So when you put it in, you know, your video or, you know, your photo or whatever, like a, another good example is like flowers, like a rose, you know, or something. It's like we automatically have all these associations with that. So if you put that in there, there's a chance that it could be cliche, but it also will immediately evoke all these other things for the viewer, you know? And so it's about understanding those devices, I guess, and how to, how to use them. And so like one of the more recent curiosities that I've been getting into is poetic meter and that because Shakespeare used that a lot. And so it's the, it's the, basically the, the way of using stressed and unstressed syllable patterns. And so there's names for every single type of that. So like, um, 
an example is like the triplet flow for rap is is actually a dactylian um, meter, which is like it's the you know the 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 stre- unstress unstress stress or whatever, and so or the iambic pentameter is a common one in Shakespeare, and it means like unstressed stress syllable, and so there's a pattern of this. Or my song too much is the what I where this led from is. In there, in that song, there's the I don't really care much, wear much, buy much, spend much, do much, too much. That is um, a trochaic tetrameter, is what that's called. So there's like a name for it, you know. And I didn't know that. I just did that intuitively when I wrote it. But I'm trying to expand my perspective and understand on a technical level how to use those devices because that makes it catchier. You, you know, it's more memorable because. Humans have been programmed since Shakespeare to remember things bunched into those those formats, you know. And so it's like it's like understanding the matrix, like the code underneath the code or whatever, you know. And I, and I guess I'm just trying to constantly understand the symbolism visually and understand the the melody choices and the lyrical choices and the 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 poetic meters and all this shit because I think that that is again the area that I have the most control and the most chance to affect outcome is like just in the, in that part of the process. And then, you know, as, as I start to grow organically and make more money and get bigger, then I can start to, you know, leverage capital and leverage manpower and leverage other things. But right now all I can leverage is content. <laughs> and so like that, it, you know, that I, I, that's why I've been researching the printing press, I guess, full circle is like, that was the first time when leverage was created because they could print, you know, the same book a hundred times instead of having a scribe write it by hand. So, yeah, definitely. Well, that is, I think a perfect place to wrap this up. (laughs) Yeah. What a good little, yeah, full send. What a good little section, but, um, cool, man. Tell people where they can find you on social media. We'll also include it in the, in the description and show notes, but if you want to give them a quick backslash at, yeah um it's uh, everything is the same for me and it's alter with an e a l t e r x your x ego um it's visually easier to to understand than for me to say it i guess but uh, yeah if it's in the show notes just uh yeah you can find me at the, the website the uh, twitter instagram youtube all that it's all the same so cool, man awesome well thanks again for stopping by and we look forward to uh doing this many more times in the future No, seriously. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for all the awesome questions. It was fun to dive deep. Yeah, thanks, Stephen.